0: I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. Mm.
1: This is your last chance. After this there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill,
2: you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, now live, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the Para-X Radio.
0: Good evening and welcome to this week's podcast of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Recording live at Convocation 2014. And I'm getting no feedback in my headphones. So Does want to know why.
2: Because it's just audacity. I don't... i getting the levels on your meter.
0: All right. We had a little technical difficulty there, folks. But we are doing finding meaning and purpose in your vocation as tonight's topic. But before that... We're going to have Andrea speak about the Magical 30 Challenge and what we have coming up with that at Magical30.com.
2: Yep, as we, uh, as we promised, we'd start off the live, the recorded uh, podcast, the convocation with the announcement of Magical 30 for people who've been following it. 30 days of magical work, you can win prizes on our site, and when we have done this, people have gotten miraculous, I mean, really miraculous life changes occur just by doing daily work for 30 minutes a day, and sometimes it's an evocational challenge, sometimes it's just Qigong, sometimes it's making a talisman, and everyone really comes out and they have their life kind of transform. And the next challenge that we're gonna do is a, uh, we're going to do summoning an entity for 30 days, but it's specific type of entities. We will be doing a challenge of opposites, where we will have some people summoning angels, and some people summoning demons. We have noted demonologist uh, Stephanie Connolly, uh, otherwise known as Stephanie Reiser, helping and actually putting together a coven to compete against the students of the quantum life science in group contests to see which group can actually, well, which group can actually do. <laughs> uh, we also have Aaron Lyke who has written an Enochian grimoire, and various other angel magic books, Secrets of the High Grim Wars, helping out to help people on the angelic side of things, uh, to give them advice. And he has a unique combination of angel magic and hoodoo. Uh, Everyone knows that my book, Hands on Chaos Magic. Uh, This time we're gonna be doing advanced challenges because some magicians who are too hardcore to just do 30 minutes of work every day, uh, wanted to have a couple challenges to really up the ante. Uh, Stephanie's challenge is pretty simple. It's gonna be evoking four different daemons and strategically, not every day, but one per day, and strategically figuring out how they help each other get the results you want. My challenge is much more online with Spare's original thinking, which is to do two workings a day, my advanced challenge for advanced magicians, on different sides of the same sphere. So if it was going to do martial energies, you would do the negative or demonic and the angelic at the same time so you better understand the mind of God as it were, or the opposites colliding. Uh, Aaron is making his advanced challenge now. He might not have one, but that's okay because Stephanie's challenge on the angelic side of things is equally as potent. So we hope you all go to magical30.com. It's actual people. Uh, going through documenting the rituals they're doing and the results they're getting, and when you go there and see that what the kinds of results you get, you know that realize that even doing magical work for 30 days just for 30 minutes can change your life. And it's probably the most humbling and awesome experiment that we've been doing for a while to really get people to do magic and really understand what magic's really about when you actually get down and do it and what can actually change. So, uh, I mean, it is. I can't say anything more than it's about probably listening to stories of how people's lives have changed just by doing. It. It's not two hours a day. It's literally 30 minutes a day. And how their life changes uh, is some of the most, it reminds me of what happened when I first started out. And, you know, you're like, wow, this is really possible. Like, you just got a job for $70,000 and you were, you know, not getting any bites, it, it's kind, that's the kind of stuff that doing 30 minutes a day was. Uh, we were seeing. And I'm not joking. I, everyone who passed through the challenge had similar stories of those kinds of results where uh, I, I was very humbled to see uh, people start off, getting into it, and then see the kinds of results. Because oftentimes people don't have a dedicated daily practice, and they don't understand what happens when you do. Magical30.com will show you some stories of people do it, and what how their lives change. So I hope you'll come to the site, participate, and do with us. And thank you, Stephanie and Aaron, for helping out on the next challenge. All right, well, yeah, we
0: got a lot going on there, don't we? Well, you all know, know him and love him, Andrea Vitimus. There's a lot maybe even long-time listeners of the show don't know about this man. He's been on the bleeding edge of metaphysics and has led the development of a unique system called Reality Artistry. Andrea has initiated Hugon in the Haitian Voodoo, certified hypnotist, NLP practitioner, and a Yusui-based Reiki master. And once again, for more info on what's going on with those 30-day challenges, check out 30daychallenge.andreavitimus.com. And we have some more guests this evening to join our panel. Corvus Nocturnum has been a consultant for the original A&E's Paranormal State. He's an invited speaker guest panelist at DragonCon in Atlanta, Georgia, ParaFest in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. He lectures on golf culture as well as art. <clears throat> he has a fascination with zombies and vampires in various radio programs and at universities. He's a founder and publisher at Dark Moon Press. Check them out at darkmoonpress.com. How many books are you pushing through right now? Uh, Of
3: my own or of other people's? All of them. Uh, I know you've
0: been adding, what, like, you said 40 a year? Pretty much, yeah. Uh,
3: Right now we're up to 130 titles and 50 to do for the next year and a half added to that. Uh, I'm up to 17
0: books of my own. All right. a Dragon, good friend of ours, is joining us this evening. He's a 20-year experienced chaos magician. He's also a uh, podcast DJ. Check him out at paganchaosmagic.com for the Peg and chaos magic podcast. And we're very honored to have Kirk Kuhu Land with us this evening. First time that we've met, Mr. Lane is a Wiccan author, retired police officer, and dispatcher who's been a Wiccan for 44 years. He's been involved in many an anti defamation campaign. Uh, he's also helped with hate crimes investigations for the pagan community for decades. He's the founder of Pagan Order of Knighthood and the Order of Paladins. Matthew Venus is joining us also for the first time. Matthew Venus is an artist, writer, sigil sigil magician, root worker, and witch. He is the founder and co-founder of the Spiritus Arcanum, an online magical apothecary, and the Occult Splash Shop at SpiritusArcanum.com. His writing and artwork has been featured in occult journals such as Pillars and Clippeth, as well as the Modern Witch Magazine, where he is a regular contributor. Mistress Belladonna, a good friend of ours as well, joined us again. has been a pagan for 30 years. Journey in Magic has shared her knowledge and skills with many in the Midwestern spiritual communities. She follows the tradition of the Sacred Fool, uses humor and drama to facilitate workshops related to spiritual goal setting, uh, shadow work, and self-development. She could be contacted at mistressbelladonna.one at facebook.com. So to begin tonight's topic, folks, we are once again going to reiterate that we're speaking about finding meaning and purpose in your vocation, which I was having a couple conversations here recently with Andrea about, and it seems like it's a pretty philosophical debate. And to get us going... Folks, when when confronting your own past difficulties and or crises that you've been through, what techniques have you found useful to get past those periods in your life? And let's have uh, Andrea start us off.
2: Well, I've often joked that uh, Saturn loves me <laughs> immensely and uh, provides many obstacles in my path to help me grow in power and strength. Um, I have to say, like, that the daily work is probably the best. Uh, Daily Qigong, daily meditations, and daily uh, just getting rid of the garbage Uh, meditations is probably one of the best ways to facilitate healing and get past mistakes or other things like that. Really, it's not one big ritual for me. It's the combination of the daily work that makes slow and steady progress uh, to overcome real. Real issues, even if the ones that I created. Um, so, I've always found that the daily work is probably, uh, probably the most, for that particular issue, some of the strongest, uh, strongest things you can do. Unless you come to Khan and go through one of my rituals, one of Mistress Boundown's rituals. Then it could be a pile of gold and stuff. But I I prefer to have the daily work because it's not as rough. Less traumatic. Less traumatic, yes.
0: Well, what do you think about this, Mr. Spelladonna?
4: Well, first of all, we all know that I'm a lazy witch. Now, we've established this a long time ago. (laughs) Now, Now that we've established that, as far as getting through things, when I actually get off of my duff and do something, I find that the first thing I need to do is examine, why is this happening? Because if you don't know why it's happening, you don't know how you allowed yourself to be opened up for it to become a challenge that was so strong in your life that you can't get past it. Once you do the divination and find out what's going on, why it's happening, if you should choose to get out of that pattern, which you know at that point you should want to get out of that pattern, I find that after the divination, you have to make an action plan. I like to go into my inner temple, sit down, and figure out what this problem is going to represent. What does it look like? How does it feel? Can I talk to it? Can I destroy it? I like to do a lot of work inside. And if that doesn't work, then I usually go down to the lake or the river and and do some stuff and bury it and walk away and never look back. Depends on the kind of approach.
0: So what's your take on confronting your past difficulties and crisis and getting past them, Corvus?
3: Well, uh, my path happens to be one of uh, brutal realism and part of that stems from going deep inside yourself, looking in the mirror and realizing what you've done, what you have done right and wrong in your life uh, without focusing so much on the guilt. Uh, like Al Pacino said in The Devil's Advocate, who are you carrying those bricks for? Set them down. Uh, and and I strongly believe that your past can hold you back if you allow it, and if you want to have a better future, what you need to do for yourself is kind of do some meditation, Uh, focus on the life you do want, see it, and then kind of reverse engineering. You make mental notes or even write it down on paper, the various steps that would take you to get to that final destination you saw within yourself or where you want to be.
2: Do you think if you're in the middle of the crisis, it's easy to do that? No, of course not. I usually tell people personally just to never do that until they're even killed again, uh, that even right after, your plan will be flawed because you can't have any clarity when you're in so much emotional pain that it's blinding you.
3: Well, I feel the only way to face a, a fear that blinds you is to face it head on and not allow it from that point forward. Fear,
2: definitely, but trauma is a little diff- more difficult. Uh, to, I mean, especially like say, you're at a funeral and you're bereaving someone. Well, an action plan would always seems to come out flawed. I mean, not, not once you can get to the point of some clarity, some distance, but at the point at which you're creating it, like if you're miserable all the time about all economic worries. It's hard to get in out of the cross condition of economic worries, from of the point at which you're.
3: It, it is dependent on the situation that you find yourself in, uh, but uh, grounding yourself and being oh, pragmatic. Yeah, will help we're talking. I'm totally through. in
2: agreement about the grounding and meditation. Right. And I'm just asking questions about the timing of when to actually start doing the action plan now.
3: I, I think the sooner the better. That way, you can get it off of your chest and move forward sooner than later. I guess if you hang on to the baggage, it's going to cause you more
2: problems. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm fully I'm full in agreement of getting rid of the baggage. I guess I just was asking a sub-question about right. about the when you start with the action plan in the future, because when you're seeing your options of the future in a cross-condition, you're actually seeing options for the future that are incorrect or not objective. Right. Well, it, know, and it's
3: coming from my own personal point of view and perspective. I tend to be a lot more pragmatic and stoic yeah, when yeah. it comes to trauma. Well, stoic, because I've, yeah. I've been through so much, I just kind of roll with it and keep going. I, I don't recommend this for everyone, because some people are a lot more emotional and have a harder time getting through.
5: Can I, I would just add also, I think when we're talking about action plans too, sometimes I think uh, there is a tendency to look at it as, as a grand action plan. sometimes an action plan can be, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag my butt out of bed Right. And, and try to just try to just right. get right. out there. My and action and plan is tr- I'm
2: gonna go do a daily lesser vanish ritual of Pentagon. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and,
5: and depending upon how severe the trauma is, sometimes it's I'm gonna make sure that I have you know, clean clothes for myself, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get up and go to work on time, and put another one foot in front of the other, and then pretty soon you're walking again, and right. then you can begin running, and and so your action plan doesn't need to be this. You know, five months from now, you know, when everything's perfect and I own you know a mansion and all of this, and I have no worries anymore. It can be all right. Well, let's once you identify those problems and you look, you know, at yourself when you confront when you. For me, it's a lot of times it's going to the underworld and being like, all right, let's figure out what of this is, is my, where's my power here, right? So in, in those types of situations, it's about claiming your power, finding where your power lies. And once you understand that, you figure out the, the little steps you can start to take to start affecting that change. But it's always, you can't always see the long picture, you're absolutely right. But sometimes it's like, well, what what action can I take now? That, that's small, that can begin to build upon itself.
6: I agree with Corvus, you have gotta face it.
4: Yeah.
6: You know, yeah, you have to process these things, um, there may be a grieving process or whatever, but you, you have to put things aside and move on. Way too many people get caught up in the idea that I was a victim, and they start using that as a crutch, and that will absolutely prevent you from moving anywhere if you get stuck in that. You know, There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that you were the victim of something, but then you have to move on and say that was. Right. What is now is me moving forward, and if it takes little steps to start up the momentum to get going where you need to go, that's fine. As long as we're moving forward, we're going to get there. Failures are simply stepping stones, you know. So we're,
1: we're kind of all saying the same thing. We're just talking about a, a time division as to when we hit a clarity point. Yeah, and that's going to yeah. be different yeah. for every person in every yeah. situation. But if you're, looking,
5: if you're mourning the loss of your power, you're never going to figure out how to reclaim it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so that's the thing is when you figure out, okay, so here's my, you know, somewhat if I can be, you know, in any way, my most objective view of myself, right? Not perfect, I'm, I'm not um, terrible, and hopefully we aren't taking either of those extremes with ourselves, but we can figure out, here's the area for improvement. What in this situation do I, do I still have power over and can I control? And maybe that starts small, you know, rebuilding and claiming your power, but you need to, you need to be able to look as honestly as you can, at least. Um, at yourself, and so for me, it's always that whole know thyself thing, yeah, which is yeah, difficult. Yeah. But I mean, again, that is the that you know, you yeah. know, Dame Dame was one of my teachers, and I'll tell you that was one of the things she drilled into our heads. You've got to know thyself because you can't do a damn thing unless you start to be honest with Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely,
1: know? but it is a two-stage process, and and knowing thyself, if you're not careful, can be a devastating self-inventory because we all have That's plenty true. of things we don't and we. I guess I do the same thing. My, my only variation there when working through really difficult times is, surprisingly, my ancestor work has grown in my
2: life. Well, that, that's also key for me. Because
1: there's, there's a two stage when I'm, when I'm dealing with something that I'm feeling beyond me with my ancestors, which is, well, first there's the, what are you whining about kid talk you get from them? Which is basically, do you have any idea what we did to have to survive to get to you? You, know, you are you, you are complaining about what's happening to you, but you have to understand what it took to get you there. And then there's the second stage, which is the ancestor saying, okay, we told you what the deal is. Now we also care for you, and we are working for your best interest. Think about it.
2: I'm fortunate or unfortunate that my mom is the first ancestor to speak, so I get to the second stage <laughs> right, off the bat, uh, right off the bat where she goes, okay okay and they're like we're going to take care of this part so you can get off your ass.
3: (laughs) I I agree 100% with that because if you look at it from a metaphysical or a purely psychological viewpoint the first thing you have to do is realize you're human you're going to have uh, strong emotional reactions no matter what the problem is so you have to process that and sort it out deal with it and then the next logical step is don't let it hold you back.
6: Right. Right. I think part of the problem is what a lot of people do is they tend to describe themselves as a list of strengths and weaknesses, and I think what they should do is is throw that away and have a list of characteristics. Because absolutely everything that you have can be used, and if it fails in a certain circumstance, it's because you've wrong used it in the wrong context, not because something essentially wrong with this characteristic of yours. In some cases stubborn can get you into trouble. In other cases it gets you across the finish line. Right, right. In, in some cases stubborn is perseverance. It is indeed <laughs> right, so, so it's so. Not, it's a matter of doing that personal inventory, as my colleague here says, a, a fearless inventory, but then learning how to use all of it effectively, you know.
3: You're saying it's more a matter of perspective yeah those so-called bad traits can actually be good ones if yeah. used in the right way. And and it's you, you start looking <laughs> that
6: way, you can start thinking of yourself as essentially powerful. Instead of this thing that we got from the Abrahamic community where everyone figures they're flawed or they're, you know, weak or whatever, you're not, you know, claim your power. Stand up and do it.
4: But there are so many people who are afraid of their own power. You have to remember that because, and I can only speak from my experience. I know for a fact that, you know, I've been afraid of my my own power for a long time. You know, just recently I stopped doing that. You have to get out of your own way. Okay, you can do all the inventorying you want. You can even face the problem. But if you're not prepared to use the tools at hand to fix the problem, you're just gonna stand there and spin your wheels because your brake is on. Well, you know, I I think
2: that that's a lot of the problem. That's what I was initially getting at, that initial inventories Mm -hmm. in negative, when you're already in a negative state, are incorrect. They are biased in self-deprecation or anger, unless you really, I mean, we're talking about a 2 tier process, really. It seems like, unless you really kind of do the clearing first, because this is what most people do is actually the victim thing. They they mm-hmm. do a self inventory from the perspective of victim, and the inventory they come up with is not objective. Right. I and mean, we talk about rose colored glasses, but I would jokingly call this like shit colored glasses. But I mean, you know, like, I mean, I don't know what else to call whoa it. Oh, was, yeah, was me. was me. I that was a smoky
4: brown. Or a smoky <laughs> brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> smoky brown colored glasses,
2: and actually like. You know, I mess. truly believe from all the clients, and I, I have a lot, and all the people I've helped, usually most people are coming to you from that victim perspective because mm-hmm. that's the dominant model of almost everything in our culture. And yes. No offense to anyone who likes our current Western culture. But um, <laughs> it, it seems to be that the victim model of, I am upset, therefore you should be censored, or I am upset, therefore... Worship the world should be worship my victimhood is kind of like, well, there are actual victims and there are people who do wrong, but you always, you can't always see that you're doing a self-inventory from the point of view of your own victimhood. And we all do that. And even I, I. I will admit, I will be vulnerable and admit that the Andrea Bittles does this victim, I like get in the victim mindset, till I give myself a boot party in the head. <laughs> or I have friends who will give me a boot party
5: in the head. <laughs> and that's why we have magical friends. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think community is a big part of that, actually, um, wh- whether it's family or friends or whatever. And that's, that's really the, one of the tools that you can utilize in those situations to help get you some objective um, opinions and help you, I guess, you know, begin to walk again, so to speak, as we were saying. So I think having that, that's one of the things I was going to mention earlier on with the question is that I feel like having a community or having other people that you trust, peers essentially, whether, it's, whether it is family or friends or people that are magically minded or not, um, that you feel like you can actually get some, some objective opinions and feedback from is huge. It's good to have some kind of support system.
1: Yeah, you need someone to tell you when you've been acting really weird for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. To be your mirror. Or to yeah. tell you when you're telling yourself,
5: you know, when you're looking at yourself with those shit-colored glasses, that, you know what, you've actually really been good in my life, and blah, blah, blah. It's, sometimes it's good to have that person that pulls you back from the ledge and says, you know what, it's going to be okay,
4: you know. Or you need somebody who'll come into your life and say, how long are you going to let this person destroy you? Yeah. And and, and you know, I, I've I'm never lo- done that. Before. I'm looking to my side here at Andrea, but um, who gets angry and like, you know, why why? And you know, and then I, I
2: prefer the term
4: animated. The jumping up and down. And, ah! But you know, you, you sometimes you need somebody to say, Okay, listen, there's a point where it stops being you don't want to harm people because you have this weird paradigm that people have placed on you and you are trying to embrace that has nothing to do with where you come from and it becomes, now I'm just enjoying becoming a victim because I'm used to this pattern right. and, and it's comfortable, yes. Yeah. it. Um, I, I mean,
5: I, we've all kind of known some of those people who are the, the constant victims and it's well it's not my fault, it's not my fault, it's not my fault and sometimes it's really not your fault. Sometimes life just sucks and crappy things happen to you. but. When you come to everything from the it's not my fault perspective, then you have, are claiming essential powers, the powerlessness. You have no power any, over anything if nothing is your fault. Nothing. Everything happens to you. You don't happen to the world, basically, and, um, and that's, I think, one of the, when you aren't able to claim responsibility or uh, the ability to alter a situation, then you just give up your power, because it happened to me. It's not my fault, so I have no control over it, so how are you going to change that? Yeah, but the flip side of that is actually the fact that it's easier to do that. Yeah. And
2: that's why it's seductive. Yeah, absolutely. It's very easy to yes, do that. Exactly. It's very easy to say, hey, it's not my fault. It's, you know, all these things are affecting me and I have no control. Right. You have, you have control
3: over every aspect of your life. You absolutely. Not what people do to you, but how you choose to react to it. Yes.
5: A- absolutely. But it's seductive. Yes. I think as magical people and magically minded people, though, that's one luxury that we none of us can really afford ourselves. You know what I mean? We can't be delusional
2: and lie to
3: ourselves and put our heads in the sand. We need to look at reality harder and faster because we're the example that other people come to for help.
5: And we should. The thing is, is when you realize that you have the ability to manifest and alter your reality, right? You don't have that luxury anymore. Like you just can't. You can't turn around and choose to just ignore it. You, if you're, if you're saying that I accept this premise, then you're lying to yourself if you turn around and just say that everything just happens to you and there's just no reason behind it everything just happens to you and you have to.
6: Amber Kay once said once you've told the world you're a witch you can no longer uh, be a victim because you've just said I'm powerful yeah
2: there you go
5: absolutely I
4: hey. bobo when you give up your power though and, and this is another thing that I've noticed and I don't know if anyone's going to agree and, and I would like to say oh but I care but you know sometimes I don't so I'm going to say it anyway but We all know I'm not politically correct. This is not new. Um, When you give up your power like that, what winds up happening, when you embrace that nothing is my fault and I have no control, When you, the moment you say, I have no control, that means when that lower part of you starts to lash out, you're going to say, oh, it wasn't my fault. And then next thing you know, about five years later, you're sitting up in a clock tower somewhere You know, and something bad is going to happen because you decide this is the only way that I can, retain, you know, regain my power. And in, in that moment, you've actually completely lost all your power. Because now yeah. you've said, I will now do this because there's nothing else I can do. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get to that point. No. Okay. So how would each of
0: you define vocation or higher purpose?
4: You'll know what you're supposed to do according to your will when everything seems to fall in place effortlessly. It is when we are struggling all the time. I don't mean natural growth challenges. When we are struggling all the time, we're not doing what we're supposed to do.
1: Struggling with no progress.
4: Yes. I I fundamentally,
2: being a hardcore chaos (laughs) magic in the school of Peter Carroll or something like that, I don't believe in true purpose. I believe in vectors. And if you have enough time, energy, psychological training from the CIA, or otherwise <laughs> techniques, <laughs> you can change a vector at great cost. And by vector, it encompasses your aspirations, your sphere of availability right now, where you are think you're headed. Because the idea, <laughs> my time magic, distri- all of the, Experiments I've done in time magic have destroyed any hope I've ever had for believing in the holy, not the holy Garden angel so much, but a true will. Because if you start doing weird time magic, your true will is different across different timelines that could be different choices. So it just destroyed it. So it's more like vectors to me. So uh, recently, I got accepted to an MBA program. That was three years of magical work to make sure that was free. Uh, that's a great accomplishment. But that's a changing of a vector. It's a major change of vector. Where I made the decision the vector I was on was no longer adaptive to the reality that I was living in. And I had to change, make major changes in my thought processes. I had to make major changes in my spiritual emphasis. I literally had to work with different spirits within the voodoo paradigm to, because I'm a voodoo priest obviously, to help me make the transition I had to do NLP, self-meditation, right? Because, you know, here's Andrea Vitimis, the punk rocker, going for an MBA. Yeah, that's a major vector change. It's a major change in my own personal and external reality, which goes against the inertia that I've built up from a lifetime of, you know, rebel-like behavior. Uh, And I'm still, I haven't given that up, the rebel-like behavior. But uh, I still like going to punk rock shows, mind you. They're fun. Although I'm, I noticed there's less moshing now. Um, but still, that's a major vector change from a whole lot of years. Whereas I could decide to keep going with that vector and go a more artistic route that would be consistent with the punk rock you know, mindset. So that, to me, is uh, it, it wasn't something that was on the exact idea of what I had for a true will 10 years ago, but I chose a different vector because I saw the possibility in while swimming the s- soup of meditations as it were. I, I agree with my colleague that uh, basically if you're
6: heading in the right direction, you start getting synchronicity and things just line up, they don't. And if you are moving forward, trying to move forward and things keep coming up that are Creating obstacles, and then you have to look back and say, you know, this is this the right path? Is this working? Someone's trying to tell me something here. Some some God's trying to give me a clue here. <laughs> uh, generally, if if things are are clicking and everything is working so that you're satisfied with wh- what you're doing here, you're, you're on the right path.
4: Then and, there's and yeah, there are
6: there are vectors if you like. Things that tend to push you in a certain direction in life, so you have the power to grab the tiller and steer. You know, you can read those currents and go where you need to go. Yeah, are, are we active
1: or are we passive? Yeah. Mm. Do we let it happen to us or do we try to get up and at least make something else happen too?
6: Yeah, I grabbed the tiller myself. Yeah.
1: Good way to go. It 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 really just in in the end it always comes down to that one decision to stand up and do something. Doesn't matter what it is, but it's to actually get break the inertia. Once you've broke the inertia of thinking you're a victim you can get past it it's not that hard. It's but it is a it is a bit of inertia to get past but once you're rolling it's easy to stay away from it it's just you have to keep rolling you have to keep being active
0: you know i have to kind of throw in a clarifier because i'm not i'm not necessarily sure that i agree with Mr. belladonna and i'm curious what everyone else thinks do you think that following your true vocation always comes easy no.
4: no no I'm not saying it'll come easy It just feels all. right
6: but it it feels right you know I mean in I'm, I'm a knight and I, I was telling people in classes earlier when you put on the black belt you're basically saying test me mm-hmm. that isn't a bad thing it doesn't mean that you're endless obstacles in life it's saying I'm, I know that every time I face one of these challenges I, I move forward I learn I think I come out the other side greater than I was before so bring it on. And, and I want to,
2: I want to I, I stress that to so, no extent, because the spirits in my life, I love them, but they make my life hell. <laughs> they make me stronger. I mean, if uh, the people who know me know this is absolutely true, and every time they do that, I come out as a much stronger magician. And I, and you know what? Initially I said Saturn loves me. This is exactly the kind of love Saturn shows. And I'm a much stronger magician after doing this for, I don't want to admit how long I've been doing this, um, because of those obstacles. It's uh, and, and, and that's a very important clarification because I think people get into this thinking, if I'm on my true will, <laughs> synchronicity will happen and there will be very few obstacles. The opposite has been true in my life. <laughs> But I know, I'm, I know I'm doing things right. But it's still, to make me stronger, the obstacles are there on purpose to make me stronger. Because when someone else comes to me with that freaking obstacle as a priest, I have no doubt in my mind that I can open the door. Bring it on. Because they already tortured me with it, and I overcame it, so I know how to overcome it for anyone else. Whether it's been almost dying a couple times with sickness, whether it's uh, yeah yeah, whether it's been oh shit I'm homeless now, uh, you know I gotta fucking not be homeless, or I want to start getting over the obstacles of money or whatever it is. Once you get once they get you through that, they're like An achievement unlocked, and now you start doing magic on that point for other people and holy moly It's just like booyah, but that's if you know that those obstacles are going to be thrown there, it's like it doesn't come easy. Yeah,
5: yeah, But but it but it comes. It does come. It does. Well, a teacher, a teacher who doesn't challenge you doesn't care about your education. Yes, it's really kind of I think the best way to think about it. Right. Um, but there are those, there are those, there, are, there are things that happen where you're like, that was just a pile of shit, right? <laughs> really. Um, and that there was really that was just a pile of shit to deal with, and maybe there was some lesson buried in that pile, but there are other things where you're like, okay, this is definitely a challenge, and this is definitely something to move on, and it is, it's when, when the clouds clear, when those dark clouds clear, and there's a sun there, that's when you know that that was, that was
4: one of those challenges. I usually know when my deity laughs at me, (laughs) because I, no, I'm serious, because I, can. well, okay, you know. I'm not on medication, so I can hear. <laughs> I can hear laughter. I can hear like, okay, you did it. You figured it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I get. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have a laughing deity. I have a laughing God deity. That's what I have. They la- my, I,
2: I don't want to say that my Udonic spirits laugh at me, but they do.
4: They do. <laughs> they do. <laughs> actually, but, actually,
2: actually, you can relate to this. I have come to the conclusion after course,
4: course <laughs> ritual I did a
2: convocation, and more or less in that ritual took the oath of the abyss um, that everything is actually somehow has meaning in my life but that's a post horizon ritual interpretation and um,
4: yeah that ritual um, yeah. I will that was
2: fun. I will pretty much anything that isn't under my control I will use every method in my being to get it under control so that way I- I'm reclaiming it because for some reason I brought it into my life, the, the maybe not directly, like not like I wished upon me this car accident, but I probably shouldn't have been driving 50 miles an hour in a snowstorm mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well why did I do that and I, I can tear that apart.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I think everything is in a way cause and effect, but it's also a little bit objective because 90% of what happens to us is what we choose to do about a situation, Right. not sit there and whine and wallow in self-pity. Uh, it's like I've been saying all weekend in different classes and to individuals, every single day you wake up is a new day to make your life better. And you don't have to be tied down and held back by your mistakes of the past or guilt feelings or what other people say you did wrong. It's up to you to fix your own life and do something better.
5: And, and
4: you every, can actually everybody reaches job. an epiphany, you know. You can actually quit your job on that new day, too. you can quit your job, you can quit
1: a bad relationship, you can quit uh, many things. I mean, quitting sometimes is half of the work of getting things in order. I think people do forget that, oh my god, it's going to be so much work. Well, no, sometimes it's just cutting stuff out that's taking too much of your life away from you. Mm -hmm. And that's as important as taking action, okay, what action do I take? Sometimes that action is minimizing the difficulties in your life, and sometimes it makes hard calls.
3: It's never easy to get rid of the things that hold you back, whether it's your own behaviors or other people that hold you back in your life. Nobody ever said this life was going to be easy. Uh, anybody who you know tells you otherwise is crazy. So you know, everybody reaches an epiphany point where they realize, this is what I want to do with my life. Whether it's wrong or not, it's their life. They have the right to choose and make the most of it. You're gonna stumble, you're gonna fall but you have mentors, you have educators, you have books, you have you know, trial and error in your own failings that are examples
5: of what not to do again.
3: You know?
5: So, well go ahead. I was just gonna say kind of uh, in response to the concept of finding your true will and all that, I don't know that I buy onto that uh, kind of certainty. I think true will can actually manifest itself in the same individual in a lot of different ways. Like that can look a lot of different ways. And some of the way that I tend to like if I were to phrase it, is kind of a conception of actually moving closer to a more perfected nature of yourself, um, an expression of yourself. And that can take a lot of different roads, basically, but I think that when we say that things come easily, it's easier, right? What's what's easier is being yourself and knowing that your authentic self and your more perfected self is what's shining through. And I think that's it, even though the challenge is sometimes create, you know, are what we have to dredge through to get there, and they can still keep coming up, but that concept of, look, where am I now versus where I was last year, or two years ago? Am I closer to being a more perfected expression of myself, however that, you
1: know, Are you better than you were four years ago?
5: And I would certainly hope so, (laughs) but, you know, um, so to me, I think that's that's kind of a way of, of looking at it.
0: So when all of you have had to confront shortcomings mistakes realize that you've been going in the wrong direction at times while while trying to perfect yourselves and, and follow what you believe to be your true paths how do you for techniques what techniques do you use to forgive yourself for those mistakes that you've made so that you can get past them and move forward you realize you're human
3: and not dwell on your flaws you have to focus on the silver linings and the things that can make your life better instead of you know letting your mistakes hold you back the sooner you do that the sooner you can forgive yourself and say oh I screwed up and then you know what do I do about it
1: is the primary focus well that's like if a person has an alcohol problem they say that the first step is acknowledging you have a problem and that ruthless self-inventory is a, a thing to know about yourself but if you don't know it you don't know what to work on And that's
3: why, like you said, have a support system, have friends and family that are not going to sugarcoat it to you and say, oh, you're fine when you're really screwed up. Right.
5: (laughs) And I think you laid it out, um, Kara, when you were saying that um, we are a collection of qualities, and those qualities can work for us or against us. us. And it's okay to say, you know what, there's these parts of myself that, if left unchecked, can cause a real problem. Um, But there's these parts of myself that, when refined and understood, not ignored, because you can't keep shoving the demon in the closet, and we all know that. You keep doing that, and that's when you end up on the clock tower. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, But when you get to it's understand good it, demons, it's not about demons, though. No, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, so this case, somewhat metaphorically, <laughs> me, but, uh, but uh, you can't you can't keep doing that and ignoring it and pushing it back and kind of ignoring, you know, the shadow, if you will. Um, and but when you recognize that and you and you understand it, then you're more apt to be able to refine it into power. Like you said, and I think that's, that's the big thing, is you can acknowledge where there, there are those problems. So you can acknowledge in the past um, where that has occurred, but um, it's really being able to um, figure out how to not continually attack yourself, but how to uh, manifest that into a way of, of acknowledging it, saying, well, this is a place for growth, um, how am I going to make that growth occur? Everybody who has succeeded fails. That's how they get there. Right. Many
6: times, sometimes, but they don't let that stop them. They keep going. You know, there was a one of an author I can't remember his name of said, you know, have, have you failed? Okay, fail better. Go up, do it again. You know, <laughs> eventually you will get there. But you know, don't. It's not like you're the only person that's ever failed. You know, we all. I'm sure everybody in this panel, including myself, we've all been there. We've all done that. It'll well I've learned from that let's make something out of this let's take that characteristic and use it again in a different way and do it better you'll get there you will fail
3: up Feel a lot. Make feel it a up. magnificent failure. If it's <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> failure. That's, yeah. Those are the easiest ones to
5: learn from because yeah. nobody lets you forget them. <laughs>
4: Everybody it's has such a good positive way to do this, and mine is just like it seems a little bit inadequate then because it works for me. If works I go for you, out for Chinese. See, I, I just, no seriously, that's that's my like comfort food. Yeah. And once I realize that hey, this is not working anymore, and I actually make the decision that you know because it's usually a violent decision for me, very violent like. This is stupid! And it's like, okay. And then I just, everything, I leave. I usually leave wherever I am, the state or something, for at least a day. Then I come back, and I get Chinese, and everything's fine. In that process, I usually do something really horrible, and there's usually a fire involved. <laughs> and uh, Not for any one person. You know, just, I usually burn a lot of things that symbolize all the stupid stuff I did. Yeah. I don't wanna swear, so all the stupid stuff that I was doing I might burn my work ID, uh, burn clothes.
3: It's cathartic, it heals you to get rid of the thing and destroy the things that you're focusing your negative energy on.
4: Right, you know, so I just, and then I get Chinese because it makes me feel better.
2: You don't have to it
4: on yourself. From, it's a
2: feast. It is a feast,
4: that's a, no, it's a feast.
2: One of the first things I do when I'm confronted with this situation is I literally will vote for eternal assistance for mental fortitude. Huh. Right off the bat, like when I realize, oh crap, (laughs) the first thing is to call either spirits, servitors, thought forms, planetary intelligence, angels, whatever it is, for mental strength. Sometimes for mental clarity, because knowing where to cut or where the laser should go is sometimes the most difficult part. So that's the first evocation, right off the bat. I get through the LVRP, I get through my cleansing bath, and it's like, who should I evoke for mental strength in this situation? Just to, to and it might just all be in my head, it doesn't matter. Um, but the illusion, or the reality, depending on whether you're hard realist or a shaman type It's dude, irrelevant, I mean, which it is, as long it as, is. as it works. It is, right, yeah. yeah absolutely. Works, but that's almost always the first step, is that mental, pers- mental strength, mental perseverance, because... I've always found in my life that if I do that, it's much harder for me to step into victim role. even in the beginning of the situation. It's almost impossible. Like Because then you, this thing you've asked for mental fortitude will mentally kick your ass. And that's good, right? <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you asked for. Mental strength, mental fortitude. And at that point you can take the beating, as it were, and look to see, well, what is the way to not keep getting beat in this situation? What's What's the path to power? What What do I have to do? That's different for every situation.
4: Unfortunately, you have people who, um, we get to that point where we're ready to make that change. We've gotten rid of the old, but now we're not ready to embrace the new. Yep. So we stay in permanent, dysfunctional states of non-transition. And so until you realize that that's where you're at, you know, since we're using the beating allegory, they're like, instead of, Okay, I don't want to get beaten anymore. Like, yes, mistress, may I have another? That's where we are. And we don't know why things aren't working. Okay? Because so, they aren't taking the next step. They're not taking mm-hmm. the next step. You know, and sometimes you just have to say, every time I hear the word should, that's telling me I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Because where is that should coming from other than outside of myself?
1: So basically, we, I think we're saying the same thing. You have to be able to kick your own ass and then give yourself enough support that you don't feel that you know you, you well, just beating you yourself into a pulp. Almost.
2: No. <laughs> Kick <Take laughs> mean, your own ass and get yourself candy.
1: Realize what you're not. Realize what you're dumb about. Basically, right. what is it you're missing?
3: That that goes back into introspection and realizing what you're doing wrong to be able to be able to move forward. You have to rec- recognize the problem, uh, cope with it, and get over it.
1: Uh, I think that's where your point about meditation comes in because I've. If you're not meditating, maybe you will get through it, but you're going slower. I mean, and, and in my experience, I, I will come to the realizations I need to of what I need to do and what I need to change probably 10 times quicker if I'm regularly meditating. Right. Everybody's going to reach that point in a different time period because
3: of their own past, their own baggage, uh, and what they inherently in themselves, it takes them longer to come around to, but eventually we all do, or, you know, we
4: give up. No. Yeah. Or we make the mistake to talk to deity and say, "I accept whatever change you feel is necessary,"
1: (laughs) and I I give you complete control (laughs) control. (laughs)
4: because you get so frustrated. And then you know, after the bleeding stops, um, (laughs) you you realize that this didn't have to go this way.
6: Well, there's, there's another reason the, the meditation is important. If you, if you fail and you've got all this anxiety going on, it's that amygdala, that ancient part of the brain, is fired up and it's that purified plate thing. And mm-hmm. it's hard to shut that down. And the, vast, the fastest way to do that is to meditate, is to focus on your breathing or the weight of your feet on the floor or whatever, because that brings in the insula, the insular cortex. And when that starts up, the, the amygdala shuts down. And that's how you get to that no mind thing. And when you don't have that anxiety now, everything clears up and you can see more clearly what the issue is and figure out what to do about it. So the meditation, I, I totally agree, that's a really vital part of it. Take the time to do that. Or some form of or some energy, form of uh, the alignment, you know, yeah. whether
5: it's the LVRP that you're doing regularly or the middle pillar or whatever it is that you do in your traditional system.
3: It was a flash of insight. I didn't know there was science behind it. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's cool. Makes
5: perfect sense.
4: So I guess when you do the meditation and you find that still place and you hear that tone, that's the bell saying, "Okay, get started."
5: Yeah. <laughs> Schools in session. <laughs>
4: there's a tone. <laughs> <laughs> in some traditions, there's a tone.
0: So, how would you all counsel someone else apart from yourself and your own mannerisms? How do you counsel other people forgive themselves?
2: I actually have people laugh out loud for like 20 minutes a day. I'm not joking. I have people laugh out loud for 20 minutes a day if they're in that bad of a situation. Why? Because laughter has a similar effect to meditation. And people who don't know how to meditate at first. They can laugh. They can fake it. They're, they're like, I'm faking it. Keep going. I'm faking it. Keep going. F- I'm just faking it. Just keep doing it. And you figure out after you laugh out loud for 30 seconds to a minute, you actually are laughing and you can't control it. And anxiety and attention just kind of goes away. And you don't intend for it to go away, but it just happens because you're laughing. And your body gets into this feedback loop of, well, it's not so bad. Right? I can laugh at the whole situation. Well, you, you can tell
0: Corvus about more science there because you actually force your body to release. You certain are chemicals. forcing
2: your bo- body to release certain endorphins with laughter, that have similar effects to meditation. And then, plus the endorphin rush makes you feel better right off the bat, and it becomes a cycle. Uh, from there, you know, then I'll tell him, okay, now meditate. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: right. I mean, for every domino effect of bad that's happening to you, if you find the point to be able to stop it, you can reset that switch and them to go backward in the other direction everything good you start doing can have a ripple effect and do more good for you
4: and there's that whole school of thought that if you get to the point and this is not my phrase when you get to the point where you can feel divinely blissful you can take that energy and use it to form whatever reality you wish and then your job is to bring that reality to birth into this realm so you can change that you can change their misery you can change how they feel, but they have the power. You're giving them the tool. When you give them the tool, it's on them. But the first thing I've always found when I actually have to really deal with someone who's breaking apart, I have to find pure, unselfish love for them. If I cannot have that love in me that resounds to that love in them, I have to get to that point. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Because we have love for everyone. Even if we don't like you, we can love you. We can love that part of you that's divine. And if that person's in pain, I can bring that love out of me. And I can have that love resonate with that love in them. And that forms a bridge. And then I can give them those tools. But I don't have to like you.
1: I can't say I've counseled a lot of people, but I, I, there's been a few. There's always something, if you stick your head above the, 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 the dirt, somebody's going to ask you a question. And you do your best answers as best as you can. And the most important thing I've ever been able to tell anybody, usually when they're in that state, is you need to cut yourself a little more slack as long as you don't drift into self pity, but you've got to be able to love yourself enough to be willing to make the change. Because if you hate yourself, If you haven't come to that point of I need to love myself, you'll never make the positive changes because you're too busy punishing yourself for what you think you deserve. And you, you must come to a point that you can respect yourself enough to love yourself. And that's really the most useful thing I've ever been able to communicate.
3: Basically, I think the best way to start counseling other people is put yourself out there as an example. They're obviously coming to you instead of somebody else because they see something in you that might help them. And you being a good example in the first place by how you live your life is the catalyst there. Mm -hmm. You know, they came to you because you're an expert, because you're compassionate uh, or all of the above. And if you're capable of fixing yourself, you do put yourself out there as a speaker, as a writer, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, The, the very reasons we're up here people will come to us, they'll gravitate towards someone that they think will be able to impart that wisdom to them. And the best thing we can do is say, this is how we fixed our own life. We're not telling you what to do for you, but maybe this will help. We don't have all the answers, nobody does.
1: And sometimes your right answer is not the right answer for them. Right.
3: Right. And you have to be honest with them when you're giving them that harsh reality that it worked for me. It may not work for you, but at least try. You have nothing to lose, you know, because not trying at all is the first failure that they can do.
4: And you can't let yourself be sucked into their failure cycle either. Right. Because mm. there's, there's something about empathy. There's a very thin line, and you don't want where they are to predominate what you're trying to do. You don't want that mood to predominate. You have to make sure that, okay, I empathize with you. I, I can understand your pain. I feel your pain. I may not know how to take you from your pain completely because that's your job, not my job. But I'm going to show you some light, and I'm going to help you find your light with me. But I can't sit in the dark with you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't you do You can't it. let
3: them pull you down into their misery.
5: Well, I, I, it's not often that I've dealt with these types of issues, but when I have, um, I think I, what... You guys both kind of touched on with you with the laughing and you with the love is really getting them to a base point really where we can kind of then get some work done and in in getting past the because sometimes not forgiving yourself is victimizing yourself do you know what i mean um, and, and you're continually doing that. So getting to a point where at least we can move beyond that focus. And that's kind of, I think, what you're getting at. So we've lost focus. We're not going to stay there. And then building up.
4: And sometimes However, you have to be mean to them. And I'm not going to lie. No, yeah, you, you, I mean, uh, you have to,
5: again, you know, uh, a teacher that, that never challenges you is one that doesn't care about your education. And um, but. So for me and a lot of times when I've dealt with, I have dealt with um, some clients in situations when it was about getting to a point of that calm and that focus and that peace. And this is really just through guided visionary and journey work really. And then um, building up upon that, building up like kind of their armor and building up their power for them, you know? Um, and, and kind of leading them through that so that now we've gotten from, you know, one place where we've gotten to stability and we're building up to, uh, to where the power is.
0: So, the theme of the entire convention has been judgment. How does judgment relate to your purpose and how you manifest it?
4: I was saying in a workshop earlier, um, we had someone who couldn't decide where she wanted to be in life, and um, she's not going to get it in an hour and a half with me. but. I told her the only person she has to impress, the only person she has to affect, the only person who can control her life and decide what's right for her was the person who occupied the space within a four inch radius of where she stood. You have to control you. And that's the only judgment that truly matters. Now, I'm not talking about arbitrarily, you know, you start violating civil and moral laws and then you're like, oh, I don't care, it's fine with me. Because you know, your rights end at the tip of my nose. But what I'm saying is, if you can't be true to yourself, you will never do what it is you're here to do. And what you're here to do is, is to find and grow and feel and actualize that part of yourself that says, this is who I am and this is the life I live. That is one of the um, main, dif- oh, main differences between myself and my brother. Whereas, I love giving workshops, but I always said that I don't want to get paid for it. I'm getting tired of that. Whereas, when he was younger, we weren't raised together. He was younger. He found that he loved giving workshops. And the difference is, he did want to get paid for it. He is a multi-millionaire right now. We don't talk, but, <laughs> you know, so I can't call him. But, I have to go.
2: You have a family emergency. Get out of here. Uh-oh, family emergency. All right. Well it's this this to me, the question comes back to vectors, believe it or not. Because judgment is in relation to a vector that you're on. As in, if you're choosing a different vector and you judge yourself, it means the judgment would be different than if you were on the vector you were on. As in How successful are you? What is your goal? (laughs) Changes the answer of what was a mistake, right. and or where you are going, where you think you are going now, changes what is adaptive or what is ill-adaptive, mm-hmm. meaning that because I said I don't like I, I don't like the term you know true will or purpose per se because It's a chaos magician court. I you know, get nervous it is, around it anything is. that's absolute. It <laughs> is definitely a chaos <laughs> magician. Everything
1: is subjective.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing there is we all have to stop and realize that everybody is going to make judgments off of what we perceive, but our perceptions can be wrong. That's right. We have to be analytical and figure out what's in front of us and then judge from what we learn. Ha- have some sort of fact in front of us to go by instead of assuming because that's where we get uh, stereotypes, misconceptions and you know hatred of other people for no reason.
2: I'm absolutely there with the getting to actual things, but even the facts of what's good and bad, because there comes an opinion where you're putting in a positive or negative that is determined largely by that vector. If I decide tomorrow that I want to be a Catholic priest, I would probably think Acquiring a multi-million-dollar salary from a you know major fi- Fortune 500 company might violate my oath of poverty. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an oath of poverty. But if I would choose that vector all of a sudden, and I'm all gone home moving in that direction, it would make a decision to pursue monetary gains. Mistake. Mm-hmm. It, w- it would. If my perspective changed that radically because somehow I wandered to a Catholic church and I was overwhelmed and said, this is what I want to do, although I'm probably past that point in my life, um, maybe, maybe many years ago before I got into magic, uh, it would change the whole perspective on all the other components that I was judging. It, w- it would change the perspective because ultimately the facts are, okay, I have these sets of tools, but then there's an value judgment on each of those facts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not each of the facts, but it's a value judgment whether something's good or bad or not. I could decide I want to be the most powerful black magician in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I would like to be the most powerful black magician in the world, you know. But I could make that decision and I might think that mercy was pointless Mm -hmm. in that choice for myself. That's not what I'm going to do. So no one quote me to say that Andrea is the most powerful black magician <laughs> in the world or any kind of thing like that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, if I would choose that vector, certain compassion, certain Christian values, certain mercy, all yeah. those things become maybe mistakes. You
1: have, so you, you have a goal review, I mean, basically, yeah. is what you're doing. I mean, it's similar to what to what I've tried to do. I'm not always perfect on it. but. When you're trying to make self-improvements, I mean, there's the old saw that you can get from any business conferences, sit down, make a list of goals you want in the next five years. Right, yeah. And in five years, review them, make a new list. And, and after you've done that maybe three times, maybe four times, you have a map that you can look at and say, have I been accomplishing what I want? And is my overall life and goals improving? Am I on the ramp up or am I not? and by reassessing your goals, and then, then, then you get to that point where your decisions as to what's next right for you can change based on where you're pointing your arrow in your vector. But um, I, goal review to me is huge. I mean, that it is really important to me because you will forget some of those things you wrote down five years ago. Oh, yeah. And some of them will shock you when you come back, like, was I that shallow? Mm. <laughs> and uh, it would not w- be self judgment there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's self-judgment.
3: I think uh, Emperor Palpatine here has a good point, uh, but uh, you know, one of the biggest things we need to look at when it comes to the judgment card or you know, just you know, judging people in general is to look at ourselves first, yeah. that we're all capable of being flawed. It's what we do about it that matters, and I think the, the biggest thing I'm walking away from this weekend is, uh, like I've always said, everything is a matter of choice. And you choose whether or not you wanna put yourself down or progress and become better. Mm-hmm. And if you do that for yourself first, then you're going to have an easier time helping other people do the same thing for them. Mm-hmm. Because you've been through it, you, know, you understand what it is to go through those steps to become a better person. Their goals in life, aspirations may be different than yours, but the idea behind getting to that A destination is similar. Because it's idea versus accomplishment. Doesn't matter what it is in between.
5: Right. Um, that's it touches on kind of what I was gonna say is how judgment tends to play a role, I would say, in, in my practice or in my life, really, just in general. It's really that process of regular self-assessment. I, I think I spent a lot of time in here, like analyzing. Just taking taking trying to take a view of myself and um, and running stock on that. And um, and we were talking about how you can have a false image of yourself, whether it's it's either direction. But if you kind of engage in that regular, um, I guess you could call it a meditative practice, really, because if you're actually doing that, I mean, it's the same thing as writing. I feel like writing down a list of goals is a, is a very similar practice. You know what I mean? Yes, um, it's more concrete um, they go hand in hand, and so. But eventually, if you do that enough, and you're 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 you know, kind of. Let's say that you are sitting there and, and talking about how terrible you are. But, but, so that, actually, that, that's the work that, that, that's the situation that makes the work of self-assessment the hardest, is when you keep on coming up and it's like, you, know, you don't really, you're not holding the cards that you wish you were. Um, but eventually, if you keep doing that and you work through it, then you look and you're like, yes, but is this serving me? Like, is this perspective? Because that's a part of self-assessment is how you're assessing yourself, really. Um, so when you start looking at it, is this, is this perspective serving me, and, and, and where does this perspective come from, and how can I begin to maybe start altering that? And that's that's hard work, I think, you know? Um, uh, but there does come a point where I think those, those things that once stood up as your warts, basically, can actually turn around, and, and you can see them as, as places of power. Um, so that, I mean, just really being able to kind of have that judgment of oneself, um, and that changes Year to year, and as you grow, and like you said, you can look at your list from a couple years back and be like, what the hell, (laughs) who was I? But you know, that's because you've slightly moved to a different vector, (laughs) you know, you've kind of stepped over, Um, so so yeah.
3: Everything's always in a constant state of change, therefore, you have to reevaluate constantly to update where you're at. Maybe your goals have changed, and it catches you off guard. Maybe a choice you made will push you in a different direction, that maybe it's a better opportunity and you find yourself on a totally different path than you were two years ago for that five year plan, you're like, oh, you know, don't be rigid, be able and willing yeah. to shift as needed.
5: Well, it's like when you, we were talking about that, looking at yourself as a list of qualities, right? So, you know, are, is my list of qualities different now than it was, again, five years ago? And how have I either embraced some of those qualities that I once ran from, right? Um, or have I healed and altered some of those qualities that I felt were a part of myself that I didn't really like? Andre and I were talking before about I used to smoke, you know, and I, I don't have I don't have anything necessarily against smoking, but for me personally, I felt like it was something that I was dependent upon and had power over me in that situation, feeling like I needed something, and I didn't like that feeling. As a magician, I didn't like the feeling of feeling like I was beholden to anything. Um, so. For me, you know, that was a big part of that transition, and I feel like, um, when I look now at that situation, I feel like it's just a change in perspective. But um, it's understanding that, and I don't think I would've really gotten to the point where I got so frustrated that I ended up quitting, and I will have a cigarette every now and then, don't get me wrong. I have a healthy relationship with tobacco, I feel. Yeah, it's, 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 I, I've recognized, yes, it's a sacrament that I'll take on occasion. Um, so, um, and that's, that is truly how I feel about it. Um, And uh, and I think it's it's, uh, Shulky in Viridarium says something along the lines of, you know, to to take up the tobacco or take up the pipe is uh, to court or kiss death every time, and that's okay, but you need to be conscious of what you're doing, and that's okay, um, because that's a part of it, but um, having that relationship. Um, So for me, though, that's a point I would have never really reached unless I had that time of self-assessment, and that's a part of myself, that's a characteristic of myself. And how do I feel about that? And my perspective on it over the years changed. So finally I kind of got fed up and I was like, well, it's time to do this. There are still things that were, you know, kind of red flags a few years ago that are still now, but I feel like I have less red flags. And I'm like, oh, we still got to do some work on this, you know? And that's the progression, that that constant reevaluation and judgment. And you're like, I recognize that you're there and you need a little bit more work, but hang out there and we'll get to you after (laughs) we've worked on X, Y, and Z. Um, So
3: it's like self therapy
5: it it really is i mean it really is um so that you're you're constantly working from where you are to see uh, what changes need to occur? And, Judge,
1: and, and, yeah, judgment's not final yeah. till you're dead.
5: Right. Yes. There's not. Yeah. That's the final destination, right? There's <laughs> yes. no. There's no other final destination well, where I maybe. am perfected. I am perfected. I am the adept, and, and there is no more room for change. Okay. Great. Well, are you ready to die then and become a bodhisattva, like or whatever? You know, because because then what else are you doing here? We're constantly here to do that work and to do that assessment and to and to grow and to change. And be, and be human, and that's part of the beauty of it. But I do think finding that perfected nature and, and finding your power and your strength can take many different forms, and sometimes in the same person at different points in their life. you know. Um, and that's part of the beauty of the diversity of, of the human experience, I think. So. so have any of you
0: used principles of judgment in actual ritual work?
2: See, now I distinctly remember a different question. Okay, in, a, in an aggressive manner, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to push it out.
0: Sorry. In an aggressive manner.
2: In an aggressive manner. So you're asking us if we've ever used the principle of judgment to curse somebody. Sure.
0: <laughs> but, but that would be too much the question that I would normally ask, so I'm trying to give other people, you know... <laughs> Trying to come at this from different angles. So yes, you can either say you've cursed people with judgment, or if if not that, tell us some other way that you've used your ritual work.
3: Uh, I, I'd have to jump in and say I don't at all, because if I truly despise somebody that much, they're eating away at my emotions, my psyche, and taking up my energy. And why should I give them that power over myself? They're not worth
2: it. So I'll take a different tack on this because you're trying. And it's just different. And I'm not a radical materialist. And sometimes the best thing you can do when someone is threatening someone else is more or less the equivalent of wish them upon themselves, mm-hmm. right. uh, which is, that is judgment, judgment yeah. in a nutshell. Yep.
1: I'm on the horns on this one, though. I mean, I'm at, I mean, there's, there's this point of. You, 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 if you have the power to do damage, but you you don't you don't want to be the gun nut who shows up one day and has to fire his gun, but has never been to a range. If you're
2: wishing them, well, yeah. I would agree, and I would I could get into philosophical things where you should, if you're going to do any kind of curse work, know how to do it. Um, yeah. But at that point, the gun is in the person's ha- hand who's pointing at their head. You know, when you actually do that. Some people, when you reflect them back on themselves, they miserably self-destruct and go on asylum. Some people, when you reflect them upon themselves, all of a sudden they turn their shit around. And like they, before they might have been throwing curses or you know, hurting your clients or hurting people, and all of a sudden the reflection of themselves is so monstrous that they change
5: their ways that's why mirror box spells are so That's popular. right, that's why and mirror that, box spells that, are I awesome. was actually going to say, I am more inclined to turn, the, to turn them upon themselves so that whatever happens is really a direct result of their own actions. Um, and and, and I, I, My only responsibility is for holding up a mirror to it um, so that exactly like what you said can happen. They'll either learn and grow and change from that or they'll end up taking themselves down, but I don't necessarily need to have a direct hand in that. Right. You know,
3: it's for uh, uh, karma can also be equal to cause and effect. You don't have to do anything, they're doing it to themselves. If you step out of the situation and say, I'm done, this isn't my problem, they're going to self-destruct because that's the life choices and path that they themselves are on. And whether it's by your hand or somebody else's, or they step in front of a bus, they chose the life they did that caused everything else to go bad because they brought it on themselves. I'm not so
2: convinced that bad people have bad stuff happen. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm not convinced of that. And I'm I'm convinced that when you step in sometimes, and it's necessary to apply that force of mirror, Mm -hmm. it's not a natural tendency for them to have that mirror shown at them. Like, I think that oftentimes in our society, and people can call me pessimistic about this, but bad people get ahead. And they get ahead by doing bad things to people. And sometimes something like a mirror box, which i like i'm a fan of uh where they have to reflect that back is they're just reflecting back their energy that isn't normally what happens when people usually do bad things to other people the other people reflect the victimhood and start going in a cycle that's downward spiral for them so their negativity or badness starts taking down a whole bunch of people because they have no remorse yeah they and unfortunately for most part, our society rewards sociopathic behavior, yeah. not enlightened self-interest, not behavior that rewards long-term relationships, not behavior that warms long-term companies. It's it's sociopathic, now, 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 and there's no real no consequence. But there's that short-sighted, whether it's business
3: or personal behavior, it it's going to come back on them. Absolutely motor. is, but it isn't yeah, coming but, back. But, but on in the
1: meantime, when you're the guy who presently at that moment is under the whip, yeah. At that point, sometimes, and and I've been here, and I I can say, yeah, there was one point in time where I did do something aggressive, but I waited, and I waited, and I meditated on it, and I had long discussions with my ancestors before anything happened, and the day that came when there was a time to put up a push, it wasn't overly dramatic, it wasn't I was sitting in a dark room cursing the man. I was
2: That's given I the tool. It. No, yeah. no
1: I, I was handed the tool after I had spent enough time considering the situation that caused me, in the end, maximal benefit. The person who was in my way really was pushed quite a bit to the side. Now, if I hadn't kept my powder dry, and I hadn't long considered what I needed to do about the situation, I could have done all kinds of nasty things that would have had Detrimental consequences to me. This actually turned out to be the most efficient and quiet method. So I don't have any problem with aggressive moves, but think very carefully. Don't get all, don't ever well, throw yeah. something when you're mad.
2: Yeah. Well, well no, no, <laughs> I totally agree with that, but I just don't, I've never really, in my life experience, bought the theory that people who do bad stuff fall apart. That's not what I, I ever see. Mean. I've never mm-hmm. seen that happen. I mean, you can go in any HR religion, you could go to any hoodoo practitioner and people who are doing crazy bad stuff do not generally get caught up. Well, th- it does, but not in the way of a natural falling apart to me. You're saying it- there's not consequences for your actions? There's too much of a disposable culture for there to be real consequences to actions. Mm-hmm. As in, we throw people away. Concep- you know, five-minute friends on airports, five-minute mm-hmm. friends at convention. So what can- possible consequences can there be when we don't have a family, or tribal, or societal structure which will enforce those consequences. In fact, we talked about this last night, CEOs are the dumbest business people on the planet in some <laughs> cases, yet they just shift to a different company with no consequences, because those consequences aren't there in a disposable culture. Well, well They yeah, are to, consequences.
1: To, to, you have a point, yes, things do come around. but to, to really make that a fair system you have to have a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's why really, we do not exist in a meritocracy. That's what so the question me. you have to ask yourself is, Is okay, since you feel you're not in a meritocracy situation and your hard work will not produce your end benefit, do you have to take exterior measures when people get in your way? Because we've all had experienced bullies, and, and really when it all comes down to it, there are certain bullies that need to get punched in the nose. Yeah,
3: because we can't throw in the towel and say, because everybody else is an asshole and they get ahead and I don't, that doesn't mean you go out and be what they are because
2: your reputation of who you are as a human being matters. But I, I would argue it only matters in your own mind. Your branding matters more importantly than your reputation.
3: Your branding if you is care, your
2: reputation. But it's not. It's not. I disagree that your branding is your reputation. Branding is a glamour projected into the media space. Your reputation of a you looking in the mirror is a level of self-reflection that I do not think... not including the people here. But I do not believe that most people in those positions have that level of reflection, nor do they care. I've talked to business people who are Christian, and you ask them questions like, yeah. isn't this against your faith? And they go, this is business, and the faith is for weekend. That indicates a whole level of lack of reflection. That's that hypocrisy, and I, I don't live that way. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. And you are honorable, awesome, like person like I've known you for years, right? But this is not how everyone acts. Right. This is not the the world. This is why you will make a perp- you will naturally as we all will cut people out who break their word to you. You have to. You have to because of the exact reasons that we're describing. Because of the fact there isn't really a consequence. Right. The only consequence is that they don't have interaction with you. And that's that, that sucks because you're an awesome person. But that's, they may have no consequences in the greater scheme of society because people are generally disposable entities. They're replaceable in a machine society that we are becoming cogs. Now, I'm with you to strive to be more than the cog. I'm absolutely there, and I think everyone who, who's still here will totally agree with that. But the fact is, some people will not have consequences to trying to just screw or replace cops.
3: I'm not saying it doesn't exist and a lot of bad people don't have bad things happen to them, but because I don't follow that business model as a human being for my own reputation or the business that I run, I think a large part of my success is the fact that I've built a good reputation as a person is why people buy the books that I put out because they know it's a reflection of who I am and they like the person I am. I,
2: I completely agree with that. And you have the added bonus that a lot of what I'm describing doesn't have. That you can look in the mirror with pride, self-love, and understand that, you know, at the end of the day, if you die tomorrow, I don't want you to die tomorrow, but at the end of the day, you die tomorrow, you can stand before whatever or nothing hmm. and realize it's a well of life. What I'm actually arguing is that the projection of a glamor into the media space of branding is not, almost never, except in individuals of enlightened self-interest, metaf- real spiritual persuasions, or otherwise deep self-inflection, it is almost never directly tied to what actually goes on. It is a projection, a glamor, it, it, it's a seccubi or an incubus that gets projected out into the media space. So the ethical dilemma is less because what you're attacking is a glamor, not a person. Sometimes.
3: <laughs> so are you saying to, to get ahead, I have to throw away all my principles? No,
2: because then you wouldn't be you, right? <laughs> well, You've got and two and different and divergent but, then,
5: but then we also have, okay, then we also have that perspective thing from where you stand. Your definition of getting ahead is gonna be different than someone who wants to step on everyone's throat. Isn't? That's right. So well, let's, for you, let's put it this way. You know, you know what I mean? so, so yeah, you don't need to change to get ahead because your, what you value is different than somebody who's going to step on everyone else's but, throat. But, but to
2: be honest, if someone valued only money as the goal, yep. without human relationships, they would probably not be publishing occult books.
5: No, they would not. Absolutely, they
2: wouldn't,
5: because <laughs> there's so much money in that realm. Um, absolutely, and, and and I mean, those are the people that uh, that you're. I think you're speaking to are those types of people. I'm not generally, cur- you know, I don't know. I'm thinking more on a smaller level, I guess, than than the, the grandiose conception of you know, the character that you're coming up with, but I think it's a very visceral illustration of that type of sociopathic behavior, which does exist from a very small level, On a bad behavior in our society is more and more being rewarded. It is. That reality television is based idolized, on that concept. idolized, right? idolized yeah. You know? right? There's yeah. actually a
2: cost to having good character right. in the voodoo sense of things. And, and, and there is a cost, right, because when you start treating people as not expendable, yeah. You try to build relationships. You're not just throwing money and time at branding and marketing. You're trying to build relationships. That takes a lot more effort, you know? And science is um, not friendly, I would say, to what is the best, most ruthless business practice, as it were, Mm -hmm. is more on the lines of repetition and at least faking that you have real concern.
3: I I don't know if I I buy into that, maybe it's because I struggle harder to make ends meet, but uh, I I think that even as a capitalist, as a business person, that without having that better
2: person reputation of who I am, I wouldn't have gotten how far I have. I'm totally agreeing. I'm totally agreeing with that. All I'm arguing is that outside of the awesome, that is you, this is not the same rules that are being played.
5: It's on a different ballpark entirely because the the realm that we're talking about there are there are there, okay so in, in the realm of what I do in my business I make products right a, a large part of what I do is making products and these are spiritually empowered products that my clients my customers are expecting a certain level of quality and that they know they can come to and that right. they can expect from me and now I could go on the cheap side right and I could cut costs I could use lower grade materials, I could you know not actually do things in any type of a ritual space or empower these things. Um, but that, that is my reputation. and right. it's because I also have a real pride in what I do that I can't settle for something less. because even if it's not everyone else that's looking at me in my reputation and there is there is my personal reputation and I care about that. Now. Exactly. Outside of this world where, where we're, we're dealing it with metaphysics and things like that, let's just say we're talking about you know retail. That type of mentality doesn't always carry over there when you're talking about a corporation.
2: And or to be honest, I'd actually argue that that mentality doesn't carry over to all metaphysical businesses. Well, no, that's absolutely true. Because, I mean, yeah. because there's clearly some people who care about their products, and I won't invest money in them. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll buy from those people. But there's clearly a whole bunch of suppliers of metaphysical and cult goods that are, have great marketing. Yep. And I won't name names so I don't get in trouble. But their products are shit. <laughs> and... and Nobody knows the difference except if you know the difference, right? right? I mean, and but if you're you being, the, when
5: you're being told by that person how great they are, and all of everyone else is right. And if Van you have no them. experience,
2: yeah. Yeah. you know, there's a lot more people with not enough experience to know the difference, or they know they're being lied to, or know that they're being lied to, yeah. versus know what's good. Mm-hmm. So, if someone sends me Van Van oil, I'll be like, "Oh, hell no," yeah. right? Or I'll be like, "This is pretty good," yeah. right? That's just because I know the difference. Most people buying Van Van oil won't. Or they won't know it for a while.
5: No. Well, I mean, and it all depends again, it all depends on that individual's values. You know, there are plenty of people, I, okay, just for like an actual practical example, I I make oils and all the oils that I make are gonna be done with um, essential oils Or infusions and then they I'll actually use real herbs in my oils. I don't use synthetics, I don't use a synthetic carrier, those are chemicals and to me if you're gonna use a synthetic oil just because it smells pretty you might as well spray Febreze around your ritual space because it's the same thing basically. You can blast your Febreze and you know spray it around your space and that's okay. I mean people have used Florida water to good effect for years and all that is is synthetics you know what I mean? Um, So some people don't place a value on having the all natural product or having a thing. For me, it's important and for me it's a value and, and for a lot of my customers it's a value because of the fact, it depends on where your perspective is. If you're an animist, it's important that you have natural products because there's spirit there. Do you know what I mean? If your practice doesn't say anything about that and, and you don't really buy into that, then who cares if it's natural or not? You know what I mean? It, then buy some of the, um, I won't name names, of, but there's plenty of oil large majority of oils out there, anointing oils, dressing oils, and things like that, you're buying chemicals. You're buying fragrance oils. Sure. And um, that's okay if that works for you, because I I always say intention is like 9 tenths of the law, Um, but if you're actually gonna be utilizing these things, for me it's important to partner with um, the natural elements because they're adding a whole other layer of spirit and a whole other layer of power there. Um, And So that's why it's important to me. But that's not everyone's value. And there are plenty of spiritual suppliers and supply houses throughout history where the owners don't even practice or believe in any of this crap. It's just something that, that fell into their lap. And, and they're just- It's a racket. It is a racket. And some of the biggest suppliers out there, I think- don't name names. I, I won't <laughs> name names, but some of, the, some of the biggest suppliers out there, um, you know, some of them I think there's some sincerity there and some I think it is, it's, it's wholly a business. And I'm not saying you can't make business decisions if you are in, in a cult business. You can, you've got to still be wise and savvy because you don't want to go under, right? right. Um, but there are variant levels, and there are also variant levels of how much the consumer cares. Oh, this oil is seven fifty, but I can get this one for $5, so I'll buy the $5 one, because that's all that really matters. You know what I mean? So. Well, you know. folks, I hate to cut you off
0: there, Matt, but we have run out of time, oh. so each of you should let us know what your next coming event
5: is, if you have any coming up that you'd like the audience to know about. Uh, I really think the next thing that I have coming up isn't until August that I can think of offhand. Actually, I'm going to be doing some classes at the Hermetic Arts Learning Center in Salem that are going to be doing a series of classes on hoodoo and Conjure and Folk Magic. So I have that coming up probably in uh, April. That'll be going on. And then my next big festival is uh, Spiritus Arcanum. And uh, we'll be doing vending at Temple Fest in New Hampshire, which is put on by the Temple of Witchcraft. Uh, we do that every year. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I'll be doing some classes there as well.
1: Um. In the middle of editing episode 27 of *Begging Cast Magic*, the podcast, and people can pick it up there. Um, st- I've started on the book on some brainwave entrainment techniques mixing with magic. Andre and I have been trading notes on that and looking to do some joint writing work on that, which is upcoming. He's going
2: to beat my ass. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. More words,
1: more words. And, Where's your 500
2: uh, to words today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to proceed from there. I mean, you can catch up with whatever I'm doing over at, uh, at my website. PegandChaosMagic.com. You got it.
3: Uh, I'll be back in Michigan twice next month uh, because, you know, something compels me to return. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm doing the uh, carnival on the 22nd uh, in Detroit, and the flyers are out there on the table. I'm also doing uh, book signing uh, with uh, Puck at Smoking Crystal Um, with Anna uh, on the 28th and 29th, and then I have a slew of personal appearances and radio shows for the rest of the year that you can find uh, that I post occasionally on Facebook.
0: Okay, so Corvus Nocturnum on Facebook and darkmoonpress.com.
2: That's correct. Uh, I think the next, I'm taking a little break. (laughs) So uh, the the next big thing that I'm gonna be at is the Western Mystery Conference in Austin, Texas, which is in October. Um, uh, and uh, in the same month, hopefully, I'll be at Crucible again. Uh, so those are the next big things I'm doing. Um, well, we already talked about the Magical 30 that we're going to kick up March 1st. We can start anytime between March 1st and May 1st, and I hope we'll see some of you on there because you'll see some, if you go on there and post, you'll see some of the posts on there are are pretty awesome. People post real rituals. Uh, besides that, we just do the radio show every other week now. Um, and I'm happy to announce, he, since we've worked it out, we will have Peter Carroll on our show oh, yes. on March 25th. March
0: 25th? Peter Carroll? Who else has brought you Peter Carroll? No one. In an audio interview.
2: <laughs> he does <laughs> written interviews. I love you, man, but I'm incredibly envious, you bastard. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> you, you got the person asking you to come on your show that you that I want on my show, which is Phil Hine. That's true. So... Um, Uh, Besides that, um, if you're in Cleveland, look us up. You never know. We might invite you to Ritual, and we do lots of them. More than we ever post on Facebook. Oh,
0: yeah. And with that, good
2: night.